Yes, what is good? You are tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here today by Simran and Halima in the same room for the first time. Hey, what's hey. going on, guys? Is my mic working? Welcome back to Mango Masala, the Pi Radio South Asian show. Um, as you may be able to tell from that, we're not the um, best at tech. If anyone wants to do radio, like that was an <laughs> insight into actually what a lot of being on radio is about, just technical glitches. Honestly, like this is why we need a producer, really. <laughs> That's what mm. it's like. Mm. We're literally doing everything ourselves at the moment. But um, how are you guys like doing this week? You all right? I'm Gucci. Nothing ever changes, man. It's lockdown. Same mm. as always. <sighs> Like, literally no change at all? Like, nothing? I can make something up if that's what you want. <laughs> no, let's like, not make stuff up. Um, right, so, first point of today is news, and we're going to talk a bit about the um, current ongoing situation in China with regards to the um, Uyghur Muslims. Um, do either of you two want to give your insights on that first, or should I take the lead, or...? Um, you can like give a round of opinions. Sure. So, this has been in the news for a while now. Um, depending on what sources you've been reading, but it's only over the past couple of months I'd say been properly started to have um, been written and been written about in mainstream news. Um, basically, the Uyghur Muslims are this. Um, they're actually a minority in China. There's 11 million of them, but yeah, believe it, in China that's a minority. minority. Um, but yeah, they're. Um, this is again this is going off stuff that i've read so obviously go and read up on yourself um on this issue but from the stuff that i've read they've always been a bit of a minority um they've always been um sort of a point of suspicion on the chinese government's part and especially after 9 11 they started coming down especially hard on them sort of basically accusing them of being associated with extremism um terrorism etc every muslim listen listen right now will know this story all too well yeah it's not entirely exclusive to china unfortunately but yeah so they started this idea of re-education which at first was basically still horrible things in terms of making them reset well Halima might disagree on this, but reciting communism, but we don't agree that anyone should have to like actively no, recite no, no, of it. Course, of course, yeah. No. Um and also really bad stuff like creating haram acts, like mm-hmm. eating pork, um drinking alcohol, forcing Force them basically them, yeah. yeah, basically forcing them to live a certain way. Then it escalated even further, which you wouldn't think would be possible, but mm-hmm. yeah. So they've actually started these what they're calling re education camps, which mm-hmm. are pretty much concentration camps forced labor um you've got um what's it called um like basically systemic rape yeah that's as well yeah um, like torturing etc and i think it's like one million so far have just disappeared and no one knows where they are and they're inside these they've all gone to these camps basically um and the reason why this was in the news this week is because BBC actually did a bit on it and they reported, I think it was they reported on the systemic rape elements of it. And China has since banned BBC World News from China, basically. It was already banned throughout most households, um, which is really weird when you think about it, like that level of censorship. But they've literally, you can't get it anywhere now. 
because they've said, oh, we, we don't like um, fake news. Yeah, they're, de- they're denying all claims, China. Yeah. So what do we think about that? Because like, I'm not out here... Um, I can't deni- really say too much, man. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not out here denying it. Um, I, I, Of course, like, if this is actually happening, then I want there to be change. I want people to be held accountable. I want attention to be drawn towards it. I want it to be stopped. Mm. But what do we say when China says where's your proof like this is this isn't happening you know what i mean haven't there been like jur- journalist reports yeah this is the thing that bbc have like from videos before, and stuff from before the bbc as well like i, I swear there have been again like this is just on the top of my head like things that i've seen in passing um like journalist reports as well from la- last year i think mm. they started doing them it is it's it's annoying because it's like we live in a world that's so good because of like the level of like the internet's basically allowed us to connect with each other and we know everything instantly mm. but at the same time it's not it's not so much that fake news is a reality it's more that it, it could happen if that makes sense it's yeah, it's not yeah. that fake news necessarily it's is just, happening you know what it is it's 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 the thing about um and this is what i've seen from people who because i have seen arguments from people who are talking about the fact that like <laughs> this isn't real it's not happening it's all made like basically siding with the argument that it's fake news and it's because of like western sinophobia which we know is very very sinophobia is like discrimination and hate towards um chinese people by the way um chinese culture and chinese people um and western sinophobia especially like post cold war is very 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 real um western media do have a tendency to propagate certain narratives and rhetorics towards china and communism at large um so in that way what you said about it being a possibility like you can't detract from it but also i don't know i just think it's a weird one because it's like i did have a discussion with my friend about it once and they were like if they were trying to make um like people hate chinese like china why would they use muslims to get sympathy because like worldwide islamophobia is a real thing Mm. so i don't know and it's like it's sad as well because obviously i've just realized that is one thing that's been happening this week is being mass attention drawn towards the number of racist attacks that have happened towards east asian people yeah. in the wake of covid yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah which yeah it's sometimes the world is just a very depressing place this guys. is what i mean like <laughs> i actually can't say too much because then i'll start getting to my nihilism bag and it's, yeah mm. simon do you have anything to add is the mic gone again? No, no, that's good. I just think like if obviously to certain to an, to a certain extent you can't question the reality of what's happening in China because obviously there's a lot of evidence has come out that yeah. there's like abhorrent things happening over there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the way that I've seen it before big media platforms started reporting on it, it was that like it was another Instagram thing. Mm. So it was like yeah. very like people would do it on their Instagram stories on Twitter. It would all come out. Why is no one talking about this? Why is no one talking about this? But then the infographics would come out, and then only would it gain traction when bigger uh, platforms started speaking on it. So it was one of those things where, which is always the case, of course, of course. Media. And like when you don't see it on your BBC News or your ITV or your Time or your Times or whatever, like then you you are going to question like the validity. Mm. Mm. So how do we like can't. <sighs> How do we authorize yeah. news? Yeah. How do we, in the age of like, of the age of information and the age of like connectivity. Where everyone's and, and got a platform. Exactly. Everybody has a platform. How do we authorize news? 
bro, I don't know, you know, like this is a very interesting dis- question. Yeah. Like, like, I actually don't know what are the metrics that we can use to make sure that the news that we get is 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 correct. Because we saw it happen with like the Punjabi farmer protests and that what was happening over there, like it became very small platform level. People were putting it out there saying, why is no one talking about this once again? And that's where I kind of got a bit more sympathy with the Uyghur Muslim crisis because I was thinking this is the exact same thing. I know exactly how they're feeling because only once did BBC News or Sky or Times get gain like traction of it. Then did it get attention or Rihanna or Greta Thunberg? Then it became a real thing. Whereas before I felt like it was just any old person on Instagram was just posting a little infographic here and there and that was it. It sort of acts as a um, certificate of approval, pretty much. Like once it's yeah. got that BBC yeah, sure, stamp on sure. it, then it's... If it feels like only once that happens, then it's credible. Yeah. Mm. Which is obviously not true because what's happening yeah. is a reality for those people in China, India, wherever. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though, because it's like mm. on one level we need, we need like grassroots news sources um because the media especially western media is very selective in what issues and what what people and causes they they care about um but then on the other hand it's then also very easy to spread propaganda because the same way that that things like for example the farmers protest and um, things like that that are, are spreading first on a grassroots level through social media and then they gain traction in that way and, and we're looking at that as like it's a worthy cause there are people who for example the other side the other side of the story like let's say for example the hindu hindu nationalists who are also spreading grassroots news stories who think their their side is also very valid and yeah. correct you know so mm. I feel like there's always just going to be that contention. Just be vigilant with the news that you consume. That's what I would say. Be vigilant. Um, check your sources. Recheck your sources. Mm-hmm. Question everything. Yeah, question yeah. everything. Right. So on that note, and talking about the farmers' protests, we're going to play a few tracks now before we're joined by our special guest this week, which I think got lost in the whole mic thing. We didn't actually introduce our special guest this week, but we're going to have um, Ashreen Coley from the Hear Me Raw podcast, who's going to talk to us a bit about her background, how she got into podcasting, how she's also working in the finance sector and how she got into that and how you can go down that route without necessarily having a certain degree so want to stick around for that we also now should have ashreen joining us ashreen can you hear us hi yeah can you hear me yeah, yeah, yeah. really clearly actually if right. it helps i can hear you so i feel like the mic is working <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay right yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant right so ashreen do you want to just introduce yourself tell us what you're about what hear me rose about etc yeah no firstly thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it um it's really exciting it's my first radio show so <laughs> um thank you and yeah so i'm ashvin coley i'm the host of the hear me raw podcast um and i work with a couple of producers and we create this podcast um to champion minority voices so I know that a lot of people that do listen to podcasts quite regularly do tend to hear, you know, there's really huge ones which are amazing, but we kind of lack one that talks about, yeah, and talks to BAME people as much as I'm not sure about that word, but people of minority communities, particularly in the UK and the US, Canada, like those kind of areas. So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I was like, 
like come on guys like there's amazing people out there that, i could know, do that have... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me make my own i could do yeah. that exactly As, but the thing is like anyone can do it and i think that's a big part of it is like anyone can definitely do it and there's these amazing people out there that are doing such good things but for some reason they don't have the platform um whatever the reason is so hear me raw is essentially set up to platform those amazing voices and whilst obviously people of minority communities have a lot of traumas within them i think it's very important to recognize the achievements that we actually have created for ourselves as well mm -hmm. so that's what the the podcast is about um and then i myself so i work in investment banking so i work for an american bank which is slightly soul-sucking but hey it, it it pays the bill so i'm grateful for it um but again from that aspect it's very much my my kind of mission from that side is like i'm the only colored person in my team i'm the only minority in my team and have been for the past three years and of the circulating teams as well so i'm kind of like guys come on we can we can get representation so a lot of the things that we're working on is trying to get people to feel like you know what you can apply for these jobs you you may think you don't have the credentials but you do and you know representation is such a key thing so that's also kind of like a little passion thing that's going on as well but yeah i think i'll i'll stop talking about myself now <laughs> no no that's like why you're here like for, at least for the first part um so i think first off we're just going to talk a bit about your work work so like your nine to five or nine to whatever it is. I don't know what banking's like. I'm imagining it's like extended <laughs> Nine to <hour>. nine. <laughs> yeah, literally. But yeah, we're going to talk a bit about that first and then later get into um, your more creative endeavors. So focusing more on um, the finance side of things, you want to just tell us how you ended up getting into that? Like, for example, like I, you might have told me before, but what did you do at uni? Yeah, so I went to Queen Mary's University, which I know is a very ethnically diverse university, um, but I did economics there. And then I went directly into advertising. So I didn't even go into, but I basically, I I was one of those kids that literally was like, I can't, I, I like, I stressed myself out to be like, I can't get into a big company. I finance people aren't going to like me. I'm unemployable. Like I just convinced myself that I, I wasn't worthy of these, like these, these companies and these roles. Mm. And I could see a lot of other people like going into it. So I decided to go into advertising, which was a really big blessing um, in hindsight, because it's it's one of those places where you learn so much so fast um I mean the hours are still pretty much the same between the industries but um I went into working to that so I worked with like big publications worked with people like the times the sun news uk things like that um and then I kind of it got to a point where I was like hang on a minute I I started out for investment I started out in economics so maybe I should go into that and maybe like I was I think I was 23 at this time and I was still pretty young I was like I could do the shift and I'd kind of I'm a, I'm a little bit stubborn so I was like you know what I'm actually gonna do this I'm gonna go I quit my job I didn't even have another job inside and I was like I'm going to get into investment banking and I kind of like manifested it that way but there were definitely a lot of things um that helped me get to where I am today for sure mm -hmm. So what was like the process like of switching from advertising to finance? Like, did you have to retrain in anything or? 
Well, I think a big part of what I want to share with a lot of people, and I will like be on my, my platform as well, is the fact that when you apply for certain roles in investment finance, they will tell you that you need a first at university. They'll tell you you even need a degree. They'll tell you that you have to have experience in finance. And I had none of the like I, I had a degree, but I hadn't I didn't have the other things. So when I, I decided on it, it was very much like, how am I even going to do this? Like, this is like a mountain I need to climb. And I think a lot of the things that I learned through my process is something that I've realized that is, it's it's like a dirty hidden little secret that people don't know. Um, but I feel like, I, I just don't know why people don't, don't share their experiences or why they, you know, how they get in. And I feel like it would be a lot easier for people that want to apply you know, that were in my position, you know, three years ago when I was trying to apply. So my process was me basically sitting there and be like, guys, I can't do advertising anymore. I'm going to go into finance. And I sat there in my company and I was speaking to my colleague and he was like, oh, I know someone that works in a bank. And I was like, really? Do you like, and it was whilst people call it networking and it's this very official like must go to conferences must be like wearing a suit and tie and like be all snazzy and try and impress people my version of networking was literally sitting complaining and be like guys I want to go into finance and someone coming back being like I know someone let me give you their details and have like set up a conversation with them so it was a matter of actually initiating that conversation this guy worked in Barclays I don't even remember his name but he definitely helped me get to the next step um and from there it was a matter of having a conversation with someone who knows really helped Mm -hmm. so from that point he was like you need to go and find a recruiter and as much as we may hate recruiters and as much as like salesy and you know all of that stuff that they may be it's very like if without them I wouldn't have got a job and I was I literally went to the two or three that he recommended um and I'm happy to share that you know um with everyone and they literally was like here's your cv let's fix it up let's interview so they did lots of mock interviews with me they were really great in that process and they and then they said we've got a couple of interviews go for them but the key thing I think that everyone for well for me and I think is for trying to apply was I went in as a contractor I went as as a temp Mm. which I is the thing that people don't say and a lot of people in finance unless you go in as a graduate at 21 you're hired as a contractor. You don't go in on full-time, you know, permanent contracts. So there, here's this big secret that everyone's telling, like not saying to anyone, but I was 23 years old. I was, I had no experience in finance. I literally knew nothing about stocks and shares and like it all stressed me out. And that's all that happened. I literally went in and I told them, I, I told them this, I was like, I don't have these this experience I'm I'm not super educated in these things but I'm driven I'm smart I have emotional intelligence and I'm willing to learn and I think the willing to learn is the the main thing and these kinds of experiences is what you know helps them like me and kind of tell me that you know what let's give her a chance so just getting your foot in the door I feel like is a really big thing when you're going into it and what was the role that when, you sorry what was the role that you went in on so it's it's in a team called liquidity management so okay. it's essentially 
Um, so liquidity is basically like you have cash in your your wallet, right? Mm -hmm. So that if you've got ten pounds, that's liquidity, and then you've got money in your bank, that's also liquidity. If you bought a house, that's your assets. So that's not liquid. If you were to sell that for cash, then you've got a liquid amount. So we work with that team essentially. It was a really cool role because we got to see literally every product, every deal, every big IPO that goes through globally from like Japan to New York, um, across all the markets, across all the currencies. Um, and then you basically got to, it was it was a matter of moving cash around. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested because it sounds from what you're saying like um, the main way in which you got to where you are today wasn't necessarily through going to loads of networking events, but it was more about saying to people, look, I want to go down this route. Do you know anyone? Like sort of thing. Um, so do you feel like um, your position in advertising was what enabled you to do that? Or do you think that do you think that it's like, do you th say, say for example, if I was working in an unrelated, completely unrelated field, obviously, do you think that would be a bit less easy for me to be like, oh, do you know anyone? Like sort of thing. So I'm just, I'm, I mean, obviously like, that's the way you've done it, but I'm just thinking about like giving advice to people out there. They might be thinking, yeah. oh, well, I don't know anyone in finance. Like what, what do I do? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, I completely understand. So from the reason why I kind of share my experiences even though I went through someone I knew, the point was is that I don't remember that guy's name. I don't remember who he was. But at the same time, it was understanding what to apply for because a lot of people with those this, that look like and were like me or still, you know, have that kind of like no degree. Like I could tell you stories of like my one of the directors in our team, she didn't go to university. She didn't have a degree and yet she literally just made director this year. So it's it, and she's 26 years old, 27 years old. So it's not impossible. It's just understanding the ways and what to apply for. So from even though you may not know anyone, firstly, whoever's listening to this, you now know me. So reach out to me. Like if you want to know who those recruiters are, who to get in contact, talk to me, call me, LinkedIn me instagram me whatever i will help you in an instant because like i said it's important to make sure that people know that door's open it's not just for grads that have first and went to oxbridge um and then the other thing is knowing that yes you are going in as a temp and working in different roles that people may look at you like you're not a full-time employee you don't have security but at the same time that is the thing that you need to really like help you get there. That was, I was temping for three months until they were like, we need to make you permanent. And if you are a hard worker, they'll do exactly the same thing for you. I think it's about how you frame the, the notion of networking as well, because I think um, you you touched on it before when you said it's not the kind of like being in suits and being in fancy rooms and things like that. It's even sometimes just conversation, you know, like I guess you could even yeah. say this discussion right now is a form of networking. Exactly. And I think everyone, there's just such a weird mentality. I, I hate the word networking. Yeah. It, like, like I said, when I was at university and everyone was networking. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. You get I it drilled was, into like, you. Quiet child. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but also, I think that's I really important because like 
now with the last year, the nature of networking has changed. There's no mm. possibility of being in that big room with the fancy people, meeting people and exchanging business cards and such. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you're kind of showing people that there are different avenues to go down and there are multiple doors open because i think what you said about feeling like unworthy and like you weren't worth being in a certain position or that wasn't really where you could see yourself going really would speak to a lot of people i think like especially around my age i'm 21 i'm my third year of uni like i can definitely relate to what you were saying and like kind of trying to plan ahead for the future kind of makes you realize that there are different ways to go down you don't have to do everything down the straight and narrow and you can kind yeah. of just go yeah. with the flow mm-hmm. yeah. you really don't and like like i said even though investment banking does have that shiny new title kind of feel to it my experience in advertising and working there as a grad was probably the best experiences i've had mm. so it's that whole thing of like people do go and chase when you're 21 coming out of uni it's very much like oh, I need to work for Mm -hmm. someone that has like some form of clout or some name that people know. But in reality, it does, it may not be the best thing. I work for a company that literally like no one had ever heard of outside of like, I think the advertising world. Um, I'm pretty sure to this day, like my mom constantly got the name wrong, (laughs) things Mm. like that. But I learned so much from it. I, I think I, if you had to like ask me, I would say I've learned way more from my job in advertising than I have in investment banking. And also like you kind of need to try, especially when you're young, you do need to try different avenues so that whatever you do end up and you do so with conviction. Like if you perhaps went straight into finance, maybe you wouldn't have kind of had that same conviction as you do now, having gone and done something else and then made an informed decision to go into it. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the core thing is the fact that I want all your listeners, everyone out there who is listening to know that it's even though like I've chosen to do two different industries, if you know what you want to do, whether it is advertising or PR or investment finance, and we're in a double dip recession and things may feel like it's, you know, not very great and there's no Mm -hmm. jobs, there are ways to do it and there are ways to get in. It's about, you know, all these things that I've spoken about and talking to certain people and even if you are introverted and quite shy um there are really like important ways that we can get you in the right roles and make you you know like put you in the right position really it's about creating opportunities for yourself in it at the mm-hmm. end of the day mm-hmm. i think yeah. now like, i think especially i would consider myself to be a bit of a shy person so i i would say to anyone else who's like a bit shy jump on this opportunity of when you don't actually have to see people like literally like like you might still get a bit anxious like calling them up or whatever but like it's definitely personally i can say it's a lot easier doing it over a video call or over a phone than actually being in person and being surrounded i remember i worked in music distribution for a while and part of that job was having to network at various events i used used to hate like i I could hold a conversation but it was having to actually start them in like approaching these people that were already in their little groups and like just getting in you you know what i mean like whereas with this it's kind of like you can we're we're in a pandemic you're not meant to be like seeing anyone so you can very easily just send them an email Mm -hmm. and reach out to them on social media if they have it like and that's so much easier than actually going and finding them in the flesh. Mm. And also that you've got that um, concrete written down message as well. So you can always come back to that. Whereas if you see someone in person, 
it's very easy to like say that like, you don't remember that guy's name like it's completely gone whereas if they have they have that email proof like yes we spoke on this date like you do know who i am sort of thing mm. so i feel like that definitely helps as well yeah i agree one of my colleagues actually had an interview um he's now left but he was like it was the best thing doing online interviewing because he was like i had all my notes here so like everything <laughs> was literally like i was like he had no idea like that he prepared all the answers and had everything prepared. So I think definitely use it to your advantage. And obviously preparing is very important. Um, but for those that may feel like they get flustered and things like that, um, definitely use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, you've spoken a bit about how I think to this day, you're the only um, person of color actually within your department. Like how how do you actually like deal with that and it like not obviously the owner shouldn't be on you but is there anything that how you much are time doing? do you have like, yeah <laughs> um probably like five minutes before we play a few tracks but like if you want to <laughs> no so i that's a really great question i think it's something that a lot of my closest um you know stakeholders and people that i know will like that i just talk about it a lot so I think at the beginning, I kind of swallowed a lot of things, a lot of ignorant conversations, a lot of inappropriate, you know, things that they were saying, microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, they, a lot of the people that do work there are middle-class white people. They that already turn sounds their jarring, nose man. up. Pardon? That already sounds jarring we had scone fridays like and the 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 jam had to be french jam like if it wasn't like (laughs) things like that Mm. like it was just i'm from warsaw which is like we had the highest teenage pregnancy rate for most of my growing up like i come from a very different place to these people and the, the way that they were like they would complain about you know i think there was like a bbc show and they'd change one of the characters from a book to a you know the actor was a black guy and they were like but why do they have to do that oh my god i yeah exactly so these things are really present and Mm. they're really really prominent so the way that i've really learned to understand it is the fact that if i was to kind of come at this from like you can't say that and try and teach them when they don't want to be taught it's never going to go in so I really had to learn to kind of come at it with a place from a place of love and especially last year with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter and even now with the farmers protest and Kisan movement Mm. it was very much like I have to find a way that they're actually going to sit down and understand what we're trying to say and why it matters that I can't find a plaster that suits my skin, but it suits everyone else in this team or why, like I got comments to say that, you know, this, we do work in a diverse team. Look like we have, you know, a Scottish person and an Irish person. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. Um, Like it was crazy. Like the amount of things that I would hear and I had to sit there and be like, which ethnicity box do you tick on the sheet? Like we've got blonde people. We've got people with brown hair. We've got blue eyes and green eyes. (laughs) Right. So I had to like, so from those, like I had to literally have, so I recently 
put in sessions to be like, guys, we're going to sit down and actually talk about these things. So I'd sit down and be like, this is a microaggression. Like people would like go and like touch my hair. And I'm like, no, like it's fine. I'm used to it. Like the whole world. That's just so exhausting though. Like being the only person of color in a team full of like middle-class white people. And it's not just like, from what it sounds like you're saying, it's not benign. It's a very active microaggressions on the mm. daily and you've taken it sounds like because you're a good person you've taken it on yourself to like educate and and kind of like have conversations with people because I know if that was me I would not be handling as well as you are well this is why I think I know I don't get me wrong I got really angry I got really really upset with them like I literally like I'd, I'd like the worst version of Ashby like the mm. the worst version of me came out and yeah. for a good like two three months I was like you guys are just outrageous mm. and I, I had to realize slowly that this isn't going to make them change so that's why also this whole experience of me trying to tell people that they can apply means that there's more people brown people in there there's more yeah. minority people and there's more you know, eastern European people in there because and then you've got representation you've got people that you know if there's another person coming into a team like mine um, and I'm not there, for example, it's, you know, another team and it's all completely white. They might be introvert. They might be shy and they may not be able to mm-hmm. handle yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. In, well, I don't say, oh, I handle it great, but at the same time. No, you're like, you, you need to have, you need to have a certain level of confidence and like self-assurance to be able to actually have those conversations in the workplace, especially when you're the only person of colour on a team of white middle-class people, because it's such an alienating thing. And I know the story all too well, where so many of the people in your position are just too intimidated to say anything because they think, oh, I'll yeah. lose my job or I'll alienate my teammate, you know, my colleagues and so it's def- and I like also how you're centering it not only on having those conversation with the white white colleagues but also like um kind of creating space for other ethnic minorities to enter. I think that's really yeah. important and like something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize when they're trying to kind of you know diversify and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot of the wrong conversations in when from their side and whilst I can't I can do as much as I can to change their dialogue and their experiences and what they're trying to communicate but on the other side a lot of the things that sometimes the comments I'll get I will literally be like guys why aren't you hiring someone else of you know Mm. of an ethnic minority like Mm. no one's applying and I'm like but that's also systemic racism yeah so it's that's also something that I'm like okay if that's a problem then even if it's one woman against like all the UK, I'm going to try my very hardest to get other people of minorities to go and apply for these jobs because we need it. Like Mm. I'm I'm tired of, you know, generational wealth being a thing for white people, like bring it into the communities. Mm. Now we're going to get talking a bit about Ashwin's podcast, Hear Me Raw, how you got into doing that and how other people who might want to do a similar project can also do so. So do you want to just tell us, you've already covered it a bit in brief, but do you want to just tell us the more detailed version of how it came about? Yeah, so I think really similar to kind of all the things that I'd been going through and realising that, you know, 
in terms of representation that we could always do with more um came my lovely little passion project my my little baby um which is a hear me raw podcast um so I, I even though i call it mine it's there's four other producers um and also with the beanpole media team who are really amazing and we all essentially kind of were sitting around the living room being like i wonder why we can you know why not get um, interviews with people, really amazing people that, you know, can share their experiences, all of their achievements, these high value, high performance people, um, and just all of them be from a minority community. Um, because a lot of those kind of podcasts, whether, you know, I'm not going to name any, but the very, very popular ones, most of the guests tend to be of you know the dominant culture so we were like we could do this you know like let's kind of figure it out write a list of what we need so um from all of us sitting down we kind of realized that we wanted to I think when it comes to obviously being in a podcast you want to know what format it's going to be and I really wanted it to be quite chilled um, and quite comfortable so most of our conversations is very much you know what, like talking through a number of topics but not very interview based um but it's more about the people that are on the podcast so we've had some has the amazing um you know guests on I've had Kirini who is is the co-founder of Break the Noise Records with um, Rishi Rich, and they she was on the track with oh Jay God, Sean I and love Rishi Rich. <laughs> right, so like all Sick. these huge names, and she's a co-founder. She's she's huge, and yet a lot of people kind of sometimes forget that you know there are strong women out there and I'm like mm. we're gonna bring them to you don't you worry <laughs> um and then like there's been amazing other people we've had you know a Tai Chi grandmaster the only non-Chinese Tai Chi grandmaster that co very conveniently lived in Birmingham as well so that was such an experience because we got to hear about mindfulness and you know actually understanding the the power of having health in you know um well, the whole health is wealth kind of conversation um, and what you actually benefit from it and things like that. Like it was really like, it's honestly so impactful for me because I've learned so much from these people. Um, the House of Sin, an amazing um, team that sells cinnamon buns and support rough sleepers in the UK. Um, so it's like lots of different people. We've had comedians on um, and it was very much trying to understand who are those people that may not have the shiny titles and the huge social followings and the million views on TikTok, but do so much for the community. Mm. So we kind of set out and just went on our ways, tried to literally call anyone and everyone that we knew in our circles. I had to call my dad up to be like, can you talk to this person for me? And things like that. Using your networking um, so skills again. Pardon? Using your networking skills again. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, like my dad's definitely really helpful and he's always supportive. So mm. um, it definitely helps. But um, but uh, to your point, question as well is those people that want to go out and create something, um, just do it. I think the main thing that I've learned is that to, even if you're working slowly at it, it's still you're still going at some pace. You don't have to do everything instantly. Like, don't get me wrong. We spent like six to eight months in pre-production trying to make sure that we had everything set out, the speakers, the setup, the right production, perhaps the studio, the guests, like everything took a lot of effort. Um, but it was all worth it. And I think 
one piece of advice that I would actually really give is that if you have a goal, and I, I don't think this is specific to just podcasts, I think this is for anything, is that if you have a vision, is if you want to be, I don't know, a millionaire, don't we all? <laughs> like, if you, you know how you, what you want to do and how you want to get there, start with the end one and work your way backwards and say, okay, if you want to be here at the age of, I don't know, 40, for example, mm. at the age of this time, what do you need to do? Do you need, how are you going to get there? And then a quarter of the way back and then break it up into steps. And then you kind of know what you need to start now. Mm-hmm. And whilst that might sound really stressful for like the non-planners, I'm a real planner, but it kind of means that it looks like it's actually possible. Mm. So it, everything is possible. I always say like if Elon Musk can send a car into friggin' space, like you can do anything. Mm. Um, so that's definitely one of the things that we've had to do is a lot of planning and, you know, the whole process of these things. But it also means that we get to be quite creative and have lots of fun with certain things that we're doing and, you know, getting certain, like we've had a doctor in to talk about, you know, all things this in us. And like, it's so fun and interesting. Like it's those conversations that you have anyway in your house, right? So you said that your um, family have been like quite supportive about it. Was there any sort of hesitance about you going down this path because I know one thing that you said on multiple occasions because I think I'd seen you written it somewhere and then you actually said it in the chat we had before was that oh caring about what the aunties think so has that ever played a part in your um creative projects so this is something that always kind of it didn't it just gave me a little itch like it didn't irritate me but it gave me a little itch it was the fact that whenever like I'd mentioned this to some people it was a comparison to like a lot of different platforms which was literally Loki Genge which translates to what will people yeah. say just we all say know that, that I was just gonna say we that we all know that bar <laughs> all too well <laughs> so right like we all know it so well but I feel like you guys are sitting here and I know so many people like we're like in our 20s early 20s as well and we said they're like I don't care what they say I'm just gonna do what I want to do but for some reason we still have this dialogue of what are the aunties gonna say and it's because we keep creating that dialogue and because we keep creating that content even though it's funny it still creates that problem in the future. So in my household, we're a very democratic household. Like everyone gets a voice, whether you're high or low. We're all very opinionated. So it was never really a problem to say, you know, me saying I'm going to do this. And mum mm. was like, yeah, go and do it. Like, it's, it's fine. They've never stopped me from doing anything. I, I mean, I don't live at home anyway. I've lived away from them for a very long time. So I don't think they have much of a choice anyway but I the thing that my mom does love is that in most of my podcasts she does get a little shout out for some reason like she'll always she'll always show up and she gets she'll call me up after listening be like I heard my little thing um guys what are you you playing at I haven't heard one single shout out to any (laughs) parents this whole three months to be fair my mom keeps telling me like put your show on for me, put your show on for me. I'm like, mum, you don't even understand English properly. Like, Actually, I spoke about mine last week. I did. Fair, fair, oh, yeah, we did. We, yeah, we all spoke did. about yeah, our yeah, families last on. week. <laughs> fair, fine, yeah. Fair. We need to make it but a regular thing. But I do, but like, it is, I think our culture is definitely built up on a lot of, like, respect and respecting your old is an interge- intergenerational, like, closeness. So I think 
by doing the whole like what would the aunties think caring about that is only like paying homage to what we've been taught all our lives Mm. but it is also about taking liberation of what we want to do now and kind of going not not even necessarily against the grain but maybe against what would be like expected of us and like on like the straight and narrow path so i think we do keep it in mind does kind of like you said the little itch or like stays there in the back of your head but overall like you know we're all in our 20s we all have to like lead our own lives so it is kind of like doing our own thing and doing stuff like this or doing stuff like a podcast and kind of not caring what they think yeah yeah. I think if you if you're just always adhering to those kind of like societal norms or whatever else, then you're you're giving power to them, and mm-hmm. then they'll never be broken. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, so to some extent, I think it's just all too familiar to everyone. And there's judgmental aunties. What are they going to say the next time you see them at the next wedding or the next this that or the other? Like, it's just that's always in the back of your head. But you just have to let it go because mm. it's your life, it's not theirs. And they're always going to look for the next little scandal, the next little drama, and it just goes like that. The mm. next thing always comes along to take their low interest, and that's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to your um, podcast, um, how did you actually go about setting it up? Because you said, obviously, you've got like a load of other producers involved as well. Did you already know them or did you have to seek them out? And if so, like, how did you actually find these people that want to do the same thing as you? Yeah, so I was very lucky. So I know the studios that I'm very good friends with. Um, the Vimpol Media Studios. Sorry, I keep calling them Vimpol Media, but there, there, there's two functions in this uh, company. One's Vimpol Media, and the other one's Vimpol Studios. Um, and they, I basically was just chatting to them, like I said, in the living room, and they were like, "Well, we have the means to do this. We have a studio set up. It's obviously a matter of getting a sound guy, getting a video guy, getting the content ready, making sure that we've done the research." Um, I think. I will say like that I have a lot of Google Sheets. So we all have, I think there's two or three or four, I'd say, um, of like the list, like if you know what your topic's gonna be that week, for example, like I always write it down and then the steps for what we need to do. So if for example it's the, you know, we'll always do like a quick 30 minute catch up with the person who's doing that and you'll assign someone and then you'll have like the actual recording and then you'll have post-production then who's doing the social media who's doing the Mm. video editing the audio editing and you kind of assign everyone to something specific and because it's a google sheet it's always updated and everyone can see it um and then there's obviously other ones for you know um kind of a prospecting um guest and then we also have like um, a wish list of guests that we you know one day will be on Aww. the, the cast. so there's some really like crazy names on that list but maybe one day it will happen you'll manifest it like <laughs> you've got to visualize that you know yeah now i'm back that exactly but like i think it also like relates to what you were saying earlier about like the goals you have your big goals and you have your small goals and i think like having those little micro goals is what kind of aligns all your goals together and like makes it all make sense and it's those baby steps that get you to achieving the next big yeah. one and then once you get there you're like oh wow it happened and then it's on to the next one you know mm. so before you know it you know you'll be making your way through the wish list and then you'll be saying yeah. like wow we've got this person on we've got so and so on and then the next wish list will be even bigger exactly and i i know like some people might be listening to me like oh my god she's such a planner like so high maintenance but you can not you can't you don't have to do it that way like I know a good friend of mine has a podcast that he's also released and they literally just it's just a casual chat between two guys 
and that's it like they literally wake up one day and they're like right it's a Saturday we're gonna do two hours we're just gonna chat and like that's it and there's no faff they don't really do any editing Mm -hmm. so it's like as long as the quality is good they do a run through and then it goes live so it's it depends what you really want to do in terms of like what your mission or like what you want to get out of it is really I'd say no definitely um so before we play a few more tracks do you have any last comments on just or advice for the people out there that might want to not just podcast but any like sort of creative projects like who might be doubting themselves or thinking oh that's not for me like sort of thing well firstly like doubting is natural i do it most days um but don't let that be the thing that stops you for doing the thing that you actually want to do i think is number one number two actually try and sit and think of yourself like what do you want to do like I've spoken a bit about my work in investment finance and advertising but and I know a lot of people go out there being like I want to be a banker but sometimes it's just important to sit there and actually think why do you want to be one like what are your intentions what do you actually want to achieve and like Mm -hmm. actually sitting with that and kind of like not meditating on it but you know just thinking on it really Mm -hmm. um and then also in terms of just having like for me, I really appreciate all the 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 time I've spent with these people and what I've learned from this. And hopefully, like that will be the thing that people will remember is all the, the things that they will they've passed on. Um, I mean, that's been just a really great experience. But yeah, no, not anything. I think it's been a really great time so far, and I know we've pledged to do 100 episodes this year. So that's literally 100 people that we want to bring to. The community from all different places um for you guys to listen to from you guys to learn from from you guys to you know understand how they got to their achievements more specifically i know i'm one story but their stories and all these people from different environments they have like a, it's a fountain of knowledge right mm-hmm. so and i feel like we all definitely have to be um you know we can't do this without each other at the same time like i feel like it's very much um what can we gain from understanding and knowledge sharing so um yeah i hope you guys whoever listens may go out and listen to the podcast the hear me roll podcast and um yeah let me know what you guys think and i i also want to reiterate the fact that those people that may not know anyone in the in any industry and they want to you know for any of the topics that we've spoken about if you want to go into comedy because we speak to those people you can reach out to me and I will do my very best to try and contact you with people that can help you get there, even though it may not be specifically about my industry. Um, like it's, it's about trying to make sure that we can help and support and move, um, you know, move the whole generation forward in a positive light. Sure thing. So like if people do want to reach out to you, like how should they go about it? Yeah. So the main way to contact, so on Instagram, we have our channel, it, Channel, uh, handle <laughs> handle is hear me raw underscore pod um, and you can either dm me or there's a contact button which has my email email me directly um, and then you've also got linkedin it's my full name um ashbeen coley um, you can message me on there as well um, and i think those are the main two ways but i'm always i'm always on really you know present on both of them so please do reach out cool 
Well, guys, you heard that. If you if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can reach out to Ashveen and she will do her best to help steer you in the right direction. I asked these lot during the break what they wanted to do and back by popular demand, we've decided to do a bit of a general knowledge quiz. Now, um, just so you get the type of vibe from these two, Halima is like very um, competitive. <laughs> very competitive. And Simran just finds fault with the questions like all the time. Like I will actually trash the studio if I don't win. <laughs> No comment. Actually, no. let me not say that because then I'll get blamed like if something goes a bit higgy. I'm not coming in with any expectations. <laughs> Fair. Um, I'm just don't think so. Um, yeah. So we're going to get into that quiz now. So. Wait, how are we doing this? Are we like... What what do we say if we know the answer? Do we just shout it out? I'm gonna ask. Oh, I've got God. I've got like a list of questions here. Right. You get whatever question. Oh, you're right, okay. We all get a turn. Cool. You cool, cool, all cool. get a different question, and there's cool. gonna be five <clears throat> questions each. All right. Cool. Hit me. So, complaining already. Like, <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Do you want to start a minus one? <laughs> I like that rule. Oh, <laughs> right. As always, we need to get the intense quiz music on. <coughs> okay, that's not the intense quiz music. It's calming, very calming. How do you find this calming? Oh, no, no, the, the other one. <laughs> right. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. Simran. What tourist destination is known as Sin City? Vegas. I'll give I'll give you it. Technically, it's Las Vegas, but you know it's the same thing, Carlos. Even I'm complaining about that. that. That's why, because he does that. Nah, man. Right, Halima, you ready? Mm, mm, And if mm. you get this one wrong, I'll be very disappointed. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna vomit. I'm so nervous. (laughs) What island country lies off the southeast tip of India? Sri Lanka. Correct. Right, Ashveen, you ready? Yes. Right. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Luke, who is your father? <laughs> right, let me re- Am I supposed to know who Luke let, is? Let, let me rephrase that. In Star Wars, who is Luke's father? Oh, uh, isn't it Darth Vader? Yep, correct. Oh, yes. Right. I've never watched that one. So everyone's drawing the first round. Ooh. Right. Simran, what was Picasso's first name? Pablo. Correct. Let's go. <laughs> um, Halima, do you like um, gambling? No. No. Oh. No, don't ask me nothing about that. Well, it, it's, it's... I'm a Muslim and it's haram. Yeah, it's, it's, it's against it's my religious liberty. No, no. It's not haram to ask I'm making a com- I'm making it. a complaint. Gambling is haram. I'm not doing this. Um, I'm with Simran in that you can still answer a question about it. I don't know anything about it! Ashwin. Nah, nah, nah come on, man. Fair. That's not fair. Right. Halima, what beats four of a kind? What the heck? Okay, yeah, That's fair not enough. fair. Right, fair enough. <laughs> right. I don't even know how to play regular cards. Right. Okay, fine. We'll give you the next one then. Safe. Who was Robin Hood's second in command? So his side man. What? 
<laughs> but I don't know. Have you never seen like the Disney film? Bro, I grew up on like Bollywood, man. I never watched no Disney films when I was little. I don't know. Alright, the answer's Little John. Yeah, there's no way I would have known that. Alright, so... Oh, uh, Halima's one down. How unfortunate. Oh, guys, I'm already getting mad. I'm, all, I'm already giving <laughs> Carlos evils. Right, um, Ashveen, what country did the UK fight a war against in 1982? Oh, Jesus. This is terrible. 1982. I'm going to completely guess and be really ashamed with this answer, but the Falkland Islands? Can I have it? No, you can't have Why? it. Right, so I'm going to give you half a point for that because I asked for the country, which was Argentina. That's who they went to war with, but it was the Falklands oh, War. So I'll give you half okay. a point for that. So scores Thank currently you. are two, one and a half, one. Oh my God. Someone's not very happy about no, that. No, I'm not. I'm yeah, not coming right. in, guys. I'm leaving my gum masala. <laughs> right, Simran, you ready? I'm ready. Who had an affair with Queen Guinevere? She was the um, wife of King Arthur. I know this one. Can I have it? No, you can't have it. It's not your question. I, I was a geography person at school. Well, this is it. This is it's it's mythical, love. <laughs> what? It's not... It's not real. I thought it's real, isn't it? I don't. Uh, I don't. Table, I, don't man. I don't think. King I don't know. Is it? Wait. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the round oh. table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know. Can, can I, I have a point for the round table? Can I have it? Can no, I have the question? Have can I have the question? <laughs> no, you, no, can't, you can't, can't have the question. Just give it me. Why be like that? I'm gonna start muting people's microphones. Okay. Can you at least turn it down? Because the more questions that go on, the louder she gets. Oh my god, he's actually muting me! <laughs> Screaming. You're literally on mute now. Right. Right. I think I'm, right, the answer was Sir Lancelot. I would, yeah. No. Right, Halima, are you ready for your actual question? Yeah, fine. What actress is singer Keith Urban married to? Who's. You're asking me things that I don't. I, oh, this is a I general knowledge. Keith question. Urban, but can I say something? Like, can you assume I'm an immigrant? Like, where I grew up here, we didn't have, like, we didn't watch any of these, like, British. Anything to do with Western culture. We didn't have oh, any of that. Jet Punk doesn't discriminate, so. Oh, God. Keith Urban. Keith Rural. Just guess a random actress. Yeah, Keith Rural. No, it's Nicole Kidman. How would right. I ever know that? Right. So, Ashveen, um, you've got a chance to get in the lead here. Oh, so, my God. In the beer world, what does IPA stand for? Indian Pale Ale? Correct. What? Right. How did you know that? How do you not? Oh, okay, I don't drink. Enough. Okay, yeah, that's fine. See, I don't fair drink. Enough. Fair enough. Right. So, we've got two and a half, two, two one. I'm leaving. I'm actually leaving. I'm sorry, my lift's here. I've got to go, guys. <laughs> right. Um, Simran, you wanted geography. You're getting oh, geography. <laughs> Chang and Eng were... Con okay, this isn't geography. Oh, it's, it's not a country. Chang and Eng were conjoined twins famous in the 1800s. What country were they born in? Oh, my God. It's not going to be China, because that's obvious. Yeah, but you can make it's just... Say it again. 
Chang and Eng were conjoined twins, famous in the 1800s. <clears throat> what country were they born in? Malaysia. No, it's Thailand, unfortunately. Right, Halima. Yeah. In what alphabet <laughs> would you find the letters Aleph and Gimel? <gasps> it's not your question. Aleph and Gimel. What the heck? <laughs> um. Well, Aleph is in the Arabic alphabet. It's in the Urdu alphabet. I'm gonna say Farsi. It's Hebrew. Now you're actually shaking me with these questions, you know, it's not fair. Oh dear. Um wait, sorry Hilima, what did you say just then? I said Farsi. No, what do you say just then? Do you say I'm shanking you? I said you're shaking me, you're okay, shaking me. Good. With I was these just questions. checking that you weren't swearing and we had to apologize. No, 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 right. no, 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 no. Right. Okay. Um, Ashveen, what Harry Potter character was gay, according to J.K. Rowling? Uh, Dumbledore. Correct. Yeah, why is everyone getting out all the easy questions? I'm getting out the hard one. Can you can you give us a warning when you're gonna speak, <laughs> Like, right. So, Ashveen, you're on three. Wait, three and a half? Yeah, three. I, I don't three know. and a half. Yeah. Three and a half. Three and a half. Two, two, one. Right. Okay. <laughs> Um, Simran, what type of food was famously shared by Lady and the Tramp? Spaghetti. And meatballs. Yeah, we'll give you that. And I get what alphabet is Aleph and Gimel in. What do you know about Chang and Eng from <laughs> Thailand? <laughs> yeah, but you could have guessed. Right, Halima, what actress was born Norma Jean Mortensen? I'm actually not playing this game. I'm sorry, I'm actually not playing this game. No, I beg, give me a different question. Because I feel sorry for you, yeah. fine, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for screaming. What is the name of Japan's currency? Yen. Correct. Hey. Right, so it's three, two, three and a half. Um, Ashveen, what is the plural of quantum? What? <laughs> sorry. Um, what is the quantum. plural of quantum? Quantai? No, it's quanta. Right, so on to the <laughs> final round, guys. Oh um, it's three and a half, three, two. So, Halima, you definitely can't win. Sorry. What the heck? Um, Simran, you've got a chance to edge forward, maybe snatch it from Ashreen if she doesn't get a question right and you do. Right. So, Simran, your final question is, what nice. family of lizards is notable for being able to change <laughs> colours? Chameleons. Correct. Oh, come on. Let's go. <laughs> so you're on. That's it. Four. Right. Halima, yeah. what model of Volkswagen is named after a sport? Golf. Correct. Oh, I, I, I would have also accepted polo. Nice. Right. So it's currently, was it? Oh, can Four, we have a bonus three. round? Can we have a bonus round? Please. You, Halima, even if there is a bonus round, I don't think you can win anyway. But why don't we do a bonus round with like five points or something? I'd do that if it was a tiebreaker, but literally th th that only oh, serves fine, to let you win. Fine, fine. Right, um, Ashveen, what does the Spanish word corazón mean? Corazón? Spelt C-O-R-A-Z-O-N. 
right, we get it, you're winning. Did I? <laughs> if she if she uh, was it wrong. Oh, mad. Yeah, now she's showing off. All right, Simran. I have no idea. I wouldn't even know what to guess. Like, <laughs> it literally could be anything. It could be like food. It could be a sport. I have no idea. <laughs> so have a random guess then. Corazon. It's like Corazon. I can't. I'll do Spanish accent. <laughs> doing the, he's doing the <laughs> Italian hand sign for those for those not in the studio. <laughs> so how it works, love. Oh my god, I'm dragging this out for life. I don't know. Like Coruscant. Um Gosh, um I literally don't know. Uh it doesn't even sound like anything English. Can I have a hit? <laughs> You can have a hint, but if you get it, then I'll go to a tiebreaker because to make it fair between Simran and that. I'm willing to accept okay. that. So it's a body part. Head? Incorrect. <laughs> it's the heart. Oh. So that means Simran, you've oh won for the, for the first time, time in like ever. four months. Can you turn my Let's mic on now, please? <laughs> I feel like I was put on the naughty step. <laughs> it took my mic off. What do I win then? What? Um. Glory, Simran. Yeah. Glory. Glory. Look at I me. Love it. Look I love at it. me. <laughs> you will uh, never it... see this face again. <laughs> oh, dear. I always um, ask the guests at the end of the show this. Um, <clears throat> And they always don't have anything to do because it's locked down. But how are you spending the rest of your day, Ashreen? Um, I haven't actually thought that far ahead. I'm not going to lie. There might be a glass of wine involved <laughs> other than that. Mm. Um, I don't know. Probably just a, a bit of Netflix and some some movie. Don't nice. know. Um, Sorry, well, that's like the most boring answer. But yeah, lockdown. No, it's better than mine. Like, I don't. No, I'm gonna do. I think we're all doing the same thing, and it? it's just iterations of the same thing. Netflix, Groundhog Day, mm. literally. Oh, <laughs> so Simran, how does it feel to win for the oh first time? Oh my god, you're doing this to wind me up. You're actually Amazing. doing it to wind me up. I'm on top of the world. Never felt better. Nah, guys, this is the last episode I'm coming in. You'll never, you actually never see me again. They don't see you anyway, you're on radio. Yeah, well, I'm leaving Mango Masala. There's a vacancy open, guys. Um, reach out to <laughs> the Mango Masala page. Oh, dear. I don't actually know what we're talking about when we've done the quiz. Oh, um, so, Halima, where does your internalised um, inability to not win things come from? Um, it's probably a bit of, like older sibling syndrome main character syndrome you know mix of them all of them see i'm the oldest sibling so why am i not like that okay maybe i'm just obnoxious then i don't know what do you want me to say (laughs) (laughs) it's just who i am i hate losing but also can we actually agree that i did get shagged with my questions no what I was just reading them out in the order that if you like literally it's just chance there's an agenda i'm sorry conspiracy i'm calling conspiracy I got equally shagged. No. Chang and Aang. <laughs> that was one question. <laughs> that was a bit difficult. That was one question that was a bit difficult. I got gambling. From the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted geography, like... That's not geography! 
sorry. Okay, down the mic goes again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm on the naughty stuff again. I actually don't know what it is though, because it's like Simran's is like more quiet. Yours is really loud. Ashwin's obviously like on. I also say I also don't scream. Yeah, it's just me. I always get told like, "Oh, use your inside voice." I'm like, "This is my inside voice." And people are like, "No, you're shouting." I think it's a cultural trait, to be honest. Like I'm Bengali. This is what Bengalis are like, man. And on that note, um, Ashwin, do you want to tell the people at home where they can find you again, just in case they didn't hear before? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so you can find me on um, Spotify, YouTube. Um, podcast is called Hear Me Raw with Ashbeen Cody. And if you want to know um, all the details and keep up to date with what's going live and when it's going live, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at hearmeraw underscore pod. And thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Yeah, definitely. It's been really nice to have you. We should definitely do this at some point again, maybe later this year or something. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Or maybe yeah. we could be one of your 100 podcasts. Oh, yeah. Maybe we could yeah. return the favor. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll message you after. <laughs> Sweet. Cheers. I'm, I'm really... I literally, when you said 100, I was like counting my fingers and I'm like, wait, so you're doing two a, two week, a week, basically. Yeah. Well, so we've had a little bit of a delay. So we, we're recording in, so it's eight a month, really. Um, and we're recording fine. It's just we've had a bit of delay because the production guys have been busy with some of the farmer protest videos that oh, okay. they've had. So there's going to be a couple of weeks. There's this three episodes a week. But yeah, we're on track to 100 um, guests and podcasts this year. But still, that's like that's really amazing. impressive. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it. So definitely go check out the Hear Me Raw podcast if you haven't already. Also go check out our socials at Mango Masala Radio or at Mango Masala MCR, depending what socials you're on. And yeah, we'll be back next week with some more interesting discussion, the latest tunes and Halima Farungapadi when she doesn't win the quiz. <laughs> um, this has been Mango Masala and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See you.